Hi, my name is Rick Bloodworth. This is the Common Sense Christian Channel. It's Tuesday, so we're going to be talking about America's godly heritage again. And the specific person we want to look at today is John Quincy Adams. Now, John Quincy Adams was the first president who was not part of the Revolutionary War, but he was certainly part of the cause during that time, as will become more and more evident. But John Quincy Adams was the son of John Adams. John Adams was our second president. He was the, the husband of Abigail Adams. And Abigail was quite a remarkable woman. As a matter of fact, if we had not had uh, Abigail Adams, I don't know that John Adams would have ever become the type of man that he did. And I'm not sure we would even have a nation that would resemble what we have today. So Abigail Adams was very important to, to the revolutionary cause and especially in the area of, of godliness, the focus upon Christian principles. Her father was a minister, and so when, when she and John were courting, her father was just like any other father today. He didn't think John was good enough for his daughter, and so his daughter, Abigail, had some convincing to do that John Adams would be good enough for her. It seems kind of ironic now because we know the things that John Adams was able to do in his lifetime, including becoming president, but he certainly wasn't president when they were courting. This was probably some 10 years before the revolution war even started. They were loyal British citizens, and so times were different during that, that this era. But one thing that, that both John and Abigail had was a love for God. And that love for God and that respect for His Word and the, the absolute requirement that people be obedient to that Word was something that they inculcated into their son, John Quincy Adams. Well, John Quincy Adams was an incredibly intelligent young man. When he was just 10 years old, after the beginning of the Revolutionary War, he actually sailed to Europe with his father as his father was going down as, as an ambassador to France to go and negotiate with, with France to try and get their help in the war against England. And their son, John Quincy, went with John Adams. And the reason he did that was not for a joyride, but because John Quincy at the age of 10 already spoke French pretty fluently. And he went down as a secretary at the age of 10 to his father. There was a letter from Abigail during that time, and, and she told John Quincy, her son, how important it was for him to remain faithful to God. She knew that Europe was not a very godly nation, certainly was not a Christian nation at, at that point. And so she was concerned of, the, of how that might affect him. And so she reminded him of his duty to remain faithful to God. In part of her letter, she said that she would rather him drown in the ocean on the way over than to go over there and become unfaithful. And this was certainly not the words of a harsh woman. She loved her son. She was just trying to stress how important it was that he remain the, the godly man that he was being raised to be and not be influenced by other people. And so anyway, John Quincy had this opportunity to go over and, and serve his father as secretary during those negotiations. When he was still a teenager, he went over to Russia in a similar capacity, though this time not with his father, but he actually did negotiations with Russia. 
because he was able to speak Russian at least good enough to be able to communicate with them. He had made such an impression upon others within our government once we were founded that the fourth president of the United States, President Monroe, nominated him and, and used him as his Secretary of State. It was John Quincy Adams who helped negotiate the purchase of Florida. It was John Quincy Adams who was the one that really was responsible for the Monroe Doctrine that we study about in school today. And even though it's called by the name of the president at that time, it was certainly John Quincy's efforts and really his brainchild that led to the Monroe Doctrine. Another story for another day, I suppose. But now we want to talk about John Quincy as far as his great focus in life, and that was upon getting rid of slavery. Did you know that about John Quincy Adams? Had you ever even heard that about him? One of the things that I believe is so important for us to do is to go back to our history, and, and it's so important to find as many documents as we can that are as close to the time that the events occurred so that we can read what was actually going on. We know that John Quincy Adams was the sixth president of the United States, but we don't know a whole lot more about him than that. But, but this push for doing away with slavery was so critical to him that after he left the White House, he didn't win the second term as president, well, he ran for Congress and served as a congressman until the very end of his life. And his primary focus as congressman was trying to get rid of slavery in America. His father also was an abolitionist, and so I think it's very safe to assume that Abigail was as well. So he had that ingrained within him, but it was, it was more his understanding of what God expected. It was more his understanding that this was something that was displeasing to God, a sin against humanity, as well as a sin against God that made him to want to do with this, do away with this evil practice. And so he would get up on in the House of Representatives and he would talk about getting rid of slavery. Well, at that time, when he was in the House of Representatives, the word slavery was banned from use within the House of Representatives. So divisive was the term considered to be that they just banned its use. You think that we're the first time in America where we actually banned the use of words out of political correctness. Well, it's been going on for a long time. But John Quincy Adams didn't care about that. He was much more concerned about doing the right thing. Well, the House of Representatives had enough, and so they brought him on trial before the House in an attempt to kick him out of the House of Representatives. They were going to censure him and kick him out. And so he used that as an opportunity to give speech after speech on the abolitionist cause. And while it may not have won a lot of converts over to that cause, one thing it did do is it got rid of this silly rule that you could not use the word slavery. And so the gag rule against slavery was omitted. And now the House of Representatives could talk about this issue once again. Well, John Quincy Adams served in the House of Representatives almost until his dying breath. He was on the, on the House or in the House. He was giving a speech before the representatives when he had a stroke. 
and the stroke was so severe they couldn't even remove him from the Capitol grounds, and so they just took him to another part of the Capitol building where he eventually succumbed to, to his stroke. It's interesting to note that when he died, there was a call for a volunteer or volunteers to take charge of his body so that they could make sure that it was transported and, and, and received the proper burial. And the volunteer that raised his hand for that was a young congressman from Illinois by the name of Abraham Lincoln. Well, why talk about all that? I think I think there's there's a couple of reasons. First and foremost, we know that our founders were not perfect. We know even those that considered themselves good Christians took part in certain things that we would just find abhorrent today. But we don't often talk about the efforts that these men, so many of these men and women, their wives, made down through the years to to take righteous stands mentioned the other day that one of the things that was so important to a large number of the men gathered at the Constitutional Convention was to do away with slavery. But the opposition was so great from the southern states that they decided they would make a compromise. And so the compromise was this. They had 20 years before they had to stop completely the importation of human beings. And that happened, by the way, during Thomas Jefferson's term in 1808, and that law came into effect. And this was because of so many of our righteous founding fathers taking this stand. Now, there's a lot of people today that think they should have gone further, and maybe they should. It's hard to know without having actually been in that situation ourselves. But can you imagine had right on the heels of the Revolutionary War, we had a civil war you think about the terrible cost of the Civil War to America, and, and was it worth it? Well, of course it was. But had they fought it then, they would have been so weakened at that point that they would have been easy prey for Great Britain to come back in and reclaim the colony that they had lost in the Revolutionary War. And we know they would have done that, by the way, because the War of 1812 was that very thing, Britain coming over to try and reclaim their lost colony. So even though they were not always as successful or as quick to act as perhaps we would hope, have hoped them to be, or that we would have fancied ourselves to be had we been in that situation, we do see them taking a righteous cause because they believed it was the right thing before God to do. It was the right thing to do for their fellow men. Well, we have causes today that are very similar, I believe, when you look at, at our, some of the sin that's going on in America right now that we're permitting. I think about the sin of abortion and the, and the terrible human toll that has taken. Over 50 million lives have been taken since uh, abortion was legalized in 1973. So many are doing the abortion with chemicals at, at their own home. And even though we know this is a sin, or hopefully we know this is a sin, we permit it to happen. I don't know what to do about this, do you? But I do know that we can speak out against it. I do know that we can take firm, firm stances on it. I know we can be praying to God for this terrible practice to end. 
Just recently in the Supreme Court, they overturned Roe v. Wade. So if, if states want to do away with it in their own state, they can do that. Now, every time they try and take anything away from the abortionist, they fight him in, in court. But that's okay. Fight the good battle. But my point is this. We look at our founders sometimes and we pick apart their flaws, some of which were significant, yet at the same time we fail to recognize our own flaws. We can learn something from men like John Quincy Adams, who used his life to the very end to fight a righteous cause, not on the battlefield, but in the hearts and minds of, of men. And eventually the cause of abolition was eventually won. It took a war, we realized that, and it's a shame that it came to that point where it took a war, but it was because of righteous men starting from the very seeds of the revolution who were absolutely determined to do away with this evil practice. And John Quincy Adams was one of the greatest champions, if not the greatest, of our founding fathers in this cause in an attempt to do away with slavery. Well. That's the lesson for today. I hope it helped you. It's interesting to me to go back and look at some of these things. I hope you find it interesting as well. But we'll, we'll pick up again next Tuesday on some of our godly heritage. But until then, surely appreciate your tuning in today. And I pray that God will richly bless your efforts as you seek to serve him to the best of your ability.